back to Tuesday noon, another Tuesday, another noon. We're back. Uh, this is Pete Wright, uh, sitting here with... Mr. Jamie Whitley. Mr. Jamie Whitley, how are you? Welcome back to the cave. I am really good. I'm, it's good to be back from Seattle and yeah. back in the cave. And I was, it's nice. feels like home. It does feel like home. Doesn't it? <laughs> and we're still working on our studio to get that all. We are. And now, I, you know what? You said this earlier to me that we have a plan that I don't think I was aware of to cover the walls of the studio with old jeans. Yeah. Am I a creative guy or what? I, I, well, well, creative. I, I, thank you. <laughs> That's... So I've been doing a little research okay. on what it what it takes to soundproof a room. <laughs> yeah. And and of course, while we are a large organization, we are not a flush with cash in our in our Tuesday in, noon in our Tuesday noon department at, at this point. <laughs> but but we will be, and and we have high hopes. And so I've been thinking about well, how do we how do we not jack that out? high? If you're talking about the bar is low. No, no, no. Hear me out, dude. So how how do we make our little cave really cool and also soundproof? And 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 denim makes good soundproofing. So then. I mean, come on, you and I are not the skinny things we used to be, so we have to have We have these big drawers. jeans. Yeah, we, we've got these drawers <laughs> full of old jeans, and, and, and we could sell them to Russia and make money, but what better use than to hang them up on the walls? I, I, okay, so I'm let's, in. Let's I'm do in. it. We're going to hang our... It'll be covered in jeans. All my be, friends, I'm going to go to their house uh-huh. and steal their jeans. Yeah, 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 get all the old jeans. And then take some pictures. Yeah, we can go to... Uh, what's the place where you can get uh, second-hand clothes? Uh, gosh... I don't know, but well, there you Goodwill? Go. Yeah. Well, the good, so go to Goodwill or something, yeah. buy a bunch of jeans, hang them up. Hang them up. I've got this idea. That's class. Trust me. That's, yeah, that's we're an all enormous class. amount of class all the way. that you have. We have a great show today. Yes, we do tell. We should talk about Let's that. talk about yeah. it. We actually have a guest who's been quietly laughing at us. Totally <laughs> unrelated to jeans. <laughs> and very patient. Her, her name is uh, Nancy McIsaac, and everybody calls her Nan. Thank that's you, Nan. Nan, welcome. Yeah. It's good to have you. It's good to have you in the cave. It's a pleasure to be here. Sitting in the, in the royal chair. The, the royal chair. chair. So that's very good. Very comfortable. <laughs> uh, we have been talking uh, to Nan for a, a couple of days now about something that, that I think is, is very timely and, and is socially uh, a challenge in the United States and, and not particularly well known or, or documented and, and we don't do a lot of things with it. And, and so Nan has, has written a book called Healing the Whole in a Heart and it is about reconnecting with adopted children and, and parents and fascinating. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you wrote the book and you know bring us up to speed. Well, thank you first of all for having me on as your guest. It's a pleasure to yeah, be here. Our pleasure. Trust us. This is good. The book came about because others asked me to explain why the reunion that I had with my daughter worked. And it took some thinking to come up with the answer to that question. And fortunately, the process I had gone through to reunite with my daughter, I had documented in my journal. Mm -hmm. So I had a written record of the entire process from a full year before um, for... I, I still journal today, and we've been in each other's lives now for 19 years. Wow. And let me back up. My daughter was born out of wedlock to me. I was 16 years old when I became pregnant, and it was the pre-Roe versus Wade era, so adoption was not legal. And back in 1966, when I gave, uh, I mean, abortion was mm-hmm. not legal. Pardon that. I was um, just going to say I had no yes, idea. Yes. Abortion. <laughs> okay. So Roe versus Wade is is the yes. um, the enabling of abortions as a as a birth control mm-hmm. methodology. Mm-hmm. It's back in the news again today. Mm-hmm. Um, so my situation was legally defined. Um, when my parents told me that I was going to quote go away to school, and in reality that meant 
uh, go away, have the baby, and then come back and step back into my life as if wow. nothing else happened. It was a devastating blow to me, obviously, but I did what I was told. So you were sent away from home. I was. I was. To Where did you go? Yeah. I went to Philadelphia. I lived with a family friend, wonderful, wonderful people, uh, and I stayed there until I gave birth to my daughter. Fascinating. And then your daughter was, was given away in adoption. And, Correct. And did you know who the parents were? Did you have any involvement with that? I, I'm sorry if this that, is painful, so I don't, I don't I, want to I'm, go too I'm almost used to it, but okay. believe me, it just it brings it all back. Okay. So if I take a deep breath, No, it's don't okay. Worry. And if we probe too much, tell us. I mean, because certainly it's on our time. Well, when you write a book like this, you've got to you be willing to You sort of get through from. there. <laughs> I know. I just, <laughs> you know, I'm a sensitive guy. Yes, you are. Yeah. Thank you. Well, let me see. You asked... Um, so you're, you gave up your daughter. Did I you did. have any idea of who it was going to? Were you involved in that process? Or it was, hey, thanks? The Children's Aid Society of Pennsylvania was wonderful. They, they actually gave me ten files to read through. They were sanitized. I didn't know the names of the people. Mm -hmm. But I was asked my opinion as to which of those families I would like her to go to. And uh, I picked a family. Mm -hmm. They had existing children. The father was a doctor. Mother was a stay-at-home mom, mm. and as it turns out, that's who she went to. Mm. How do you know at 16 what the criteria are that you're looking for to provide a, a good home? You've got ten, these 10 random families in front of you. How do you, mm. what do you. How do you choose? I literally went with the one that felt the best. Where would I like to be read? Mm. And that's the way I answered that question. Wow. And I think the piece that um, I remember today that was the most chilling was after giving birth and relinquishing her, by the way, I never saw her, and I never held her. Oh. She was taken from the hospital, and I remember the day, and this is all in the book, because the first half of the book is the story as it unfolded. Um, when I relinquished her, uh, I was at a window, and I saw, I was watching the front door of the hospital to make sure that she left. She went out a different door. I never saw her leave. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It was, it was heart-wrenching, and it still is. And yes. Here I am at... 57 years old. It was a few weeks ago. No. Yes. No. Not a day above 40. So uh, you relinquished your daughter. Uh -huh. how, how do you go about stepping back into your life? You keep the family secret at all costs. There are things that you don't disclose. And I don't think this is unique to birth parents. I think it's unique to others, other situations that are atypical, whether it's um, beatings at home or whatever, when there's something that is um, socially unacceptable, you pretend it doesn't happen. And after a while, you believe that. It becomes the skeleton. Yes. Oh, big time. Mm. Absolutely. So you came home pretty quickly then, I mean, after the birth and mm -hmm. essentially... About a month. It's good to have you back. You're integrated back in and everybody moves forward. Back nobody, to school. Nobody talks about it. I'm just guessing, but it's not one of these conversations. There's no support for you, there's no resources. It's exactly. I went back to high school. Um, my, my dad met me at the airport. Um, I went home and saw my brother and sister and they were glad I was back from school, which brings other issues later. Did they know? No. Your brother oh and sister didn't know? No. Oh, heavens. Fascinating. So your mom and dad. Of course. And you know, a couple other people maybe, and then that's it. And exactly. Nobody says anything. Right. Oh, heavens. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, so what, what happens next? You, you go back to school and life becomes, and life, life it resumes. Be exactly. I'm at, at what point did it come out? 
Was it, I mean, years and years later when you decide to reunite with your daughter? or Actually, Did you decide that or did she? It wasn't my decision. Uh, one day, I got a letter in the mail. And the letter came from the Department of Motor Vehicles. And another letter came from the adoption agency through which I placed her on the same day. Um, one letter said, uh, there's a personal and private matter that we're looking for you to resolve. Please contact us and call this number. So I called the number the next day hoping that this was what it was. See, what I had done, I'm, I'm married twice. I've kept all of my names on my driver's license. So should my daughter ever want to try to find me, I wanted it to be easy. But I had to resolve that it would be her decision and not mine. And then one day I got the letter. Why was that important to you, that, that, to, to, A, to reconnect, and B, that it's her decision? I was hopeful that one day I'd meet her. Yeah. And that actually is one of the differences between choosing the adoption route versus abortion route that I've subsequently learned. When you choose abortion, there's no hope. When you choose adoption, there's hope that maybe one day you'll connect. Because, again, this was a sealed situation. I didn't know the people's address or name, and they couldn't find me. So I was hopeful that one day she'd look. So she tracked you down by mm -hmm. your last name? She found me by contacting the, tra the, the adoption agency. They wrote a letter to my mom, who still lived in the same house, mm -hmm. the same address where I had lived, my legal address. Mm -hmm. And they also wrote to my maiden name through the Department of Motor Vehicles, and that's how the two letters mm -hmm. found me. And how old was your daughter at that time? She was 21. So 21 years mm -hmm. you carried that. Did anybody in your family know at that point? Had you told your, your siblings? And It never happened. Never 21 happened. years. All right. So I, how does that process work? Uh, okay, so they, they sent the letters. Keep going with the story. I yeah. And let's, <laughs> what's, and we'll ask questions later, man. No, no, no. This is the question. So the, the process, she writes the letter. Mm -hmm. uh, they contact you. I called the Children's Aid Society phone number, and I spoke with a social worker who facilitated the verbal connection. She wanted to speak with me to find out if I was welcoming of the idea or abusive, because she, too, wanted to protect the rights of, of my daughter, the adoptee. Uh, and in this case, um, by the way, my daughter's name, I'll tell you in a minute, but I found um, the adoption agency to be extremely helpful, very courteous, very caring, and I think had I been abusive in any way, they'd have severed the connection at that point and been a barrier to it. But instead, um, they made the arrangement to give my phone number to my daughter and put the ball in her court. She could call me or not. That's I, my stomach is in knots. So can you? I, I can't even imagine that first phone call. Neither could I. Truly, it was on August the um, 11th that I talked with a social worker, and it was on August 13th. Can you believe I remember this even now? I, I, I believe it. I can actually yes. believe that. Yes. Yeah. And it was on August 13th that we first spoke by phone. Wow. And she had called once and left a voicemail message. So I heard her voice. I had a chance to react how'd, to the voice How'd she first. sound? How'd she sound? Very Eastern. She had this Philadelphia accent that mm. was just amazing. Mm. I went, oh, my God. <laughs> she sounds so East Coast. <laughs> and you were in Phoenix at the time? I was time in, California. Were, in California. In California? California. Mm -hmm. Couldn't Absolutely. be farther apart. No. No, we couldn't. And what's her name? Her name's Janet. Janet. Yes. Wow. Fascinating. Okay. So where did you meet? When she and I met by phone, mm -hmm. and 
At, by this point in time, I'm, I'm an attorney, I'm married, uh, I'm a professional woman, and I'm in control of my life. I mean, things like this think you don't happen to me. Right, exactly. So I did what all lawyers do. I went to the library to try to figure out what in the heck <laughs> I was going to do about this. I wasn't equipped. It didn't occur to me to go to a therapist. I just there's got to be forms for this, right? Yeah. There's, 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 yeah. there's a process. Yeah. There has to be a procedure. Well, there were no books. There were tomes of medical documents. You know, forty-four percent of people do this, and twenty-five percent of people do that. But there was no how-to manual for reunion. Nothing there to tell me what to expect. So, after doing some research, which, by the way, was helpful, uh, I I spoke with my daughter, and we set a date to meet. But we didn't meet quickly. We got to know each other by telephone and by letter first. And we met in January after having met on the phone in August. So it was several months later. And that was by design, essentially, yes, to by try design. and mm -hmm. ease into it. Uh -huh. Is there an emotional process that you go uh -huh. through during that time? I, mean, there, I think about the grieving process where mm -hmm. you, you say, no, this can't be, and all the different stages. Is there, is there a stage, that, steps the other way around that you go through? There is. Um, if you could visualize a, a, a triangle, there are three key people in this one. The birth mother, that's me. The adoptee, Janet. And the adopted mom, also Janet. Mm -hmm. Janet named her daughter Janet mm -hmm. after her, just the way dads do. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we have juniors. Mm -hmm. Well, females don't have juniors, but mm -hmm. in this case, Janet thought enough of Janet to give mm -hmm. her her name. Mm -hmm. And when she was little, they called her by the nickname of Jenny. So we have the three people, the three mm -hmm. players. All of them have emotional connection to this situation. It's, it's wrapped up in loss. It's wrapped up in expectation. Uh, it's wrapped up in what do we do next. And, and there's a little bit of rejection and fear in there. But there's also a heck of a lot of love, yeah. which is the, the, that is the gold ring at the end of this particular experience. Janet's mom had recommended to Janet that she look for me which I thought was pretty amazing. It says a lot about our wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and under, there's some research that I've done. Adoptive parents that have natural children tend to be more welcoming of the reunion experience than those that only have adopted children. Mm -hmm. Again, I think it's the fear of it's loss. It's sort of a fear, and it's an ego issue. And it's yes, a yes. Mm -hmm. And most people that adopt have done it because natural birth didn't work, so it's almost a second choice. Mm -hmm. So there's a piece of that in there, too. But Janet's mom... Uh, and I refer to her as her mother because she raised her and she is definitely her mother, um, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And when she faced that trauma in her own life, she and Janet, or Jenny as they mm -hmm. called her, um, had a conversation about the need for medical information. And when I gave birth to Janet, she, I was healthy, none of my parents had passed away yet, so there's no medical history to pass on. So they went looking for a medical file, and they found me. Wow. But it was completely supported by her mom. Tell me about your husband's position and, mm -hmm. and, and Janet's husband's position at the time. I mean, I, I, we talk about the triangle, but there's, there's sort of family issues well, as well. Your, Where your, are they? Your siblings. And siblings, sure. Your, I mean, your family who oh, yes. wasn't aware until some point. Then. Um, first... Let me start with your question yeah. first. Um, 
the my husband knew that I'd given birth before we were married. I told him the truth before we were married, and he was hopeful that one day she would connect with us because he'd always wanted a daughter. He had four sons that were grown by the time we married. And when Janet found me, he was thrilled, just absolutely thrilled, and very, very supportive. Janet's um, adopted dad was 100% in favor of it, and we still speak regularly. I mean, he's, he's an absolute gift to the planet, and, and we get along very, very well. And Janet's mom was obviously, it was at her recommendation, and after we met and got to know one another, I won't say we became best friends because there were 3,000 miles between us, but we were very, very respectful of one another and very careful of each other's feelings and, and wanted to make sure that we didn't tread on one another. So there was a lot of emotion wrapped in those. I was counting, well, after I gave birth to Janet, I remember the first Tuesday, the second Tuesday. I mean, I was counting weeks. I wonder where she is, what she's doing. After she and I reunited, um, the emotion of it all is, it's, it's more than falling in and out of love in 24 hours. It's more like um, the highest mountain peak you can possibly go and climb. The highs are so high, it's amazing. You could, you could stop on a corner and shout to people that, you know, you, you've met this person and, and you're totally back together. I did not know then what I was going through was grief. I was actually finally grieving the loss from that I'd stuffed away years before. And carried around, and you didn't know the. Correct. I'm going to guess the stress and the burden that you had carried. Exactly. All those years. Exactly. I had no idea what to expect. It's funny too because physiologically there were responses. I started getting flashbacks to when I was a kid. Now, mind you, Janet found me when I'm. I was 36 or 37 when she found me, and. All of a sudden, I'm having dreams for the first time in color. I don't know if you know if you dream in color or black mm -hmm. and white, but I had never dreamed in color before. Colors took on a different look. Mm -hmm. Memories took on a different look. Smells, tastes. It's like an awakening of senses. Wow. To be. Well, this, my brother being a sleep lab guy will tell you that the, the deeper you sleep, you will dream in vivid colors. So if you're dreaming in vivid colors, I mean, that's your best sleep. If you're not, you're not sleeping good. You're at a higher level, and, and so you're not getting good rest mm -hmm. in your case. For a lot of time. 21 wow. years. All right, your brother. I, yeah, family. Like, uh, we're all like the on the edge of our seat creeping in for the story. Uh, yeah, your brothers and sisters. The person that was the most difficult for me to, to admit this to was my little sister. And by little, she's 10 years younger than I am, so when Janet was born, Gretchen was six. And a six-year-old doesn't get this kind mm -hmm. of thing. So it never came up. We just never talked about it. Yeah, I mean, you go away for, you know, nine mm -hmm. months, and suddenly, you know, she's, she More goes like from this. five to six. Mm -hmm. There's probably, I mean, how much of a memory did she have of it? Not, no. Not much. And it fit very nicely into the pretending it never happened pattern. Easily. So now I have the disclosure issue. How do I disclose to friends and family that I had given birth and relinquished the baby, and now she's in my life. Because all of a sudden, it put suspect my credibility in a lot of people's eyes. They yeah. thought they knew me. Yeah. They thought they understood. I had bosses to tell. I had my sister to tell. And again, I write about all of this in the book because it's it helpful for others to know that this roller coaster ride of emotion and all the things that you have to face um, aren't, it's an emotional ride. It's, it's an amazing experience. 
Let me tell you this, though. When Janet talked to me on the phone for the first time and I hung up, I felt as if someone had just murdered my blackmailer. Really? Think about it. I've been keeping that secret for so long. Mm -hmm. It's and such now, freedom. It was. It was so releasing. There was such relief. And joy, I, I didn't know what the word meant before that day. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Was there any uh, feeling of shame when you told people? Were you scared of how they would perceive you? That and kept me silent for 21 years. So that's, that's the blackmailer. That's the, that kept me yeah. silent. But what enabled me to tell the story and, and be open and honest and, and share feelings and experiences with people was the fact that I was so released from that fear right. that I, I wanted to write right. memos, a book, shout it from the rooftops, tell everybody, anybody that would stop and listen. There's enough room in this world for love to exist between all of the parties in the triangle that I talked about. It is, that birth triangle is a very complicated place. It's not a, it, there's not a finite amount. I mean, it's, mm -mm. love is one of those ever-expanding things. In fact, the more you encourage it, the more you share it with others, the yeah. more it grows. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about the process of, of deciding to write the book. Where was, where was that awakening? That came to me, I was sitting in the living room of Janet's apartment in Philadelphia with several girlfriends of hers, and they were all getting to know me. I was sort of, you know, trotted out, and I, I met all the <laughs> prize, friends. Prize pony. Exactly. Yeah. And a couple of them... What a um, proud moment, yeah. though, really. Oh, yeah. it was amazing. We need to interview Janet. <laughs> we should. We should we, no, we I'm serious. There's a follow-up to, to this. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she lives in Anchorage, Alaska, and I know she'd love to do it. Right. In fact, yeah. I almost had her come down here um, to meet me. Her birthday is... Her birthday is tomorrow. Is? Oh, this is so cool. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. She'll be 40 tomorrow. Wow. Wow. I guess there was a reason we did this, that's guys. That's beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep going. So, so you're so... sitting in the living room with some of her friends being paraded about. And they start asking questions. You think, you guys are tough. You ought to hear what they had to say. <laughs> yeah. And one young lady, her name escapes me, but I know it's in the book, um, asked me which I thought hurt the most, giving birth and relinquishing the baby for adoption or abortion. Hmm. And I'm and? assuming she's asking because it relates to her. She's adopted and had already had one abortion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you frame an answer to that? I said to her, from personal experience, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I would guess that a, abortion would hurt worse because with abortion there's no hope of ever meeting. And with adoption, there is a glimmer of hope. You know, I, I think about that, and I'm, I'm not here to make a social commentary on Roe v. Wade and those sorts Me of things. Me either. Or, but, no. And that's not the scope. But I do wonder, a person who is in that case, who does have an abortion, if that's the decision they make that's right for them, are there emotional things that go on that we don't deal with very well as a society? And if we, we just kind of do, you know, do we sweep it under the rug like, okay, mm -hmm. Nan's gone for 10 months or whatever it was, yeah, this person's in the hospital for a few days, and then they're back, and then life goes on to normal. And are there scars that we don't address very well that affect our behavior and stuff later on? The social commentary, though, is 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 much more. The social question is much more broad than that. 
Because it really, I mean, Roe v. Wade serves yes. serves a there, purpose. Yes, there are a lot at so some I'm, level. So I'm not here cosmically. To, yes, yeah. I mean there are a lot of things that go into it. So yeah. I mean, I'm not here to talk about that. But but for every action, there's an, an equal reaction, and and so we make decisions, adoption or not. I mean, whatever they are, school, no school, buy a TV and credit card, whatever it is, all those have a, mm-hmm. a feedback loop. Jamie, you asked me why I wrote the book, and it came from that cocktail party where we were all sitting there drinking wine and and talking about life and why we make the choices we make, Um, I was asked if I would be willing to speak or I think one of the girls suggested that I put together a book and I said, yeah, it's pretty easy to do. I've been writing this through the entire experience. Because you've just published your journals. And and the first half of the book actually is in journal format and I mean, you ride the roller coaster with me. Wow. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll go through the whole thing. You'll watch us through your mind's eye, measure up our hands, measure up our feet, see that the blue of our irises match, who's got whose smile, all of that. Oh. It's it's kind of where I came from. It's very connecting. I'm buying. That's I'm good. Good. <laughs> the, um So that's where the genesis came from. But there's another piece that I'd like to share with you. You haven't asked about it yet, but I'd like to chime in. Sure. The birth mother is only half of the birth parent partnership. Uh, there was a birth father. I mean, this this oh, wasn't a mistake. So I met the birth father in church choir. I know this sounds ludicrous, but it's true. And I didn't love him. We weren't going to get married. I was only 16. He was 21. But he was an, a very nice, nice person. And his parents were great. And his parents actually wanted to take Janet. They wanted the baby, whether it was a boy or a girl. But I was firmly in belief that it I needed the severance piece to follow the rules the way my yeah. parents had laid it down. So while I'm doing the research for the book and putting it together, I went to a conference at UCSD, the competition for University of Phoenix. <laughs> and there was an adoption conference there and one of the speakers was a birth father. And as I listened to him I thought why would he care? He didn't give birth to the baby. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. And I watched him and I listened. The man was so emotionally tied up in where his birth child was that the fact that it mattered to him had never occurred to me. So I continued, the lawyer in me goes back to the library, and I started researching again and found that for birth fathers, it is also traumatic at times. Uh, I think Dr. Laura Schlesinger has has dubbed some males to be the sperm donor as opposed mm-hmm. to the father. Mm-hmm. Very disparaging definition. Mm-hmm. But I was buying into that, probably because it was comfortable for me. And when I found out that the birth father could be connected, I thought, maybe she needs to know both of us, not just me. So I went home, went to sleep, slept badly thought, okay, I'll see if I can find him. It took me less than one day to locate him. He'd done the same thing you had. No. (laughs) Made himself, no? No, I had called the church where we had been in church choir. There was a secretary filling in for the one that normally worked who happened to have been the secretary when Matt and I were were in church choir. And I called and asked about his family, and she asked if this was some sort of reunion thing. 
<laughs> Little well. did she know. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, sort yeah. of. <laughs> and she said, well, honey, th they've moved. Um, his mother and father are now in Missouri, but so-and-so is the best friend, and I can give you her phone number, and she can put you in touch. It took me less than a day to connect with Matt's parents and then get his phone number. I've got all of this in the book. Then I called him. I, first of all, I called Janet. Um, I had I put the whole thing in writing to her from my journal, and I said to her, I've been doing this research. I came upon the idea of the birth father. Maybe you need to meet him. And the reason I sent her a letter was because I didn't want her to interrupt me with arguments on the telephone. <laughs> yeah. I figured she'd have to read the letter Yeah, first. get to the end. So she got to the end and called me and said, absolutely, let's get in touch. And I said, okay, here's his phone number. <laughs> and she said, well, wait a minute, you call him. <laughs> That's always great. You yeah. do it. You, you do, do it. it. And I said, uh, let me get my husband on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> so now there are the three of us are on the phone, and uh, my husband says to my, my daughter, okay, Nan, you call him. <laughs> Wait a no. minute. Oh. Uh, good for him. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to vote for the guy. Good oh, job. Truly. Good job. So I'm pacing around the house trying to figure out how I'm going to dial the phone. All the drama of that is in the book as well. And I do make the phone call. And if he's home alone. Wife is a nurse. She's off at work. His two boys are not home from school yet. And we chatted. And it started very cold, uh, where I said something like, and I'd have to read the book because I don't remember the exact words anymore. But he, I said, uh, this is um, Nan McIsaac. You may remember me as Nancy Jonke. And he went, yeah. Ice. Whoa. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the conversation, he was laughing, uh, excited, and he said, are you going to call her? And I said, I'll call her back. He said, well, don't stay on the phone too long. As soon as my wife gets home, I'm going to tell her, and then I have to call her. Hmm. So, he, so his wife didn't know? I did not know. He, she knew, but she didn't know that Janet had found yeah, her. Surely. He had told his wife before they married as well, okay. as I had with my husband. We were pretty good. Yeah. At church part, we, we learned the good. truth piece. We just also learned how to... Be quiet afterwards. Yeah. Secrets. You must keep the secrets. So Matt and Janet met by phone, and then he flew to meet her um, in Florida where she was living. And they met, and uh, the rest is all in the book. They not only met, but she then flew up to Anchorage, Alaska to meet her half-brothers, where she met and fell in love with a co-worker of her birth father, married, and... Now she's living in Alaska. She have children? No kidding. She does. She has three. So you have grandchildren? I do, and I got to cut the cord for the oh. second one when he was no born. No kidding. Oh, it just goes on and on and on. I haven't written the sequel I should. Yeah, oh, truly. Yes. yes. You wouldn't believe it. Truth is much stranger than fiction. What an amazing gift you've been given here. Yes. Your family. Yes. And, the, and telling the story and helping other people. Mm -hmm. Very powerful gift. What I wanted to do, I mentioned to both of you that I went to the library and there wasn't anything. Mm -hmm. I put together a how-to book for people that are looking at reunion. And I've actually had some, we have so many commingled families now where multiple families marry, remarry, and you've got step this and that. A lot of the strategies that I write about um, work in those situations as well. So the first half of the book is all about my situation, my story. The second half is called uh, Adjustment. 
how you then get through it. And I talk about the adjustment acronym, and A stands for adoption. I talk about that in the birth triangle and all of the emotional impacts on the, on the three key members. I also talk about D in, in a, adjustment stands for disclosure. How do you tell the truth after all these years? Then I talk about journaling and how to use that to get you through this with certain suggestions that if you're stuck in places, you may need professional help. Uh, therapists are extremely gifted at getting to some of those secret places if you can't do it on your own. Then I talk about uh, ADJU, um, understanding. And understanding and having empathy for all of the different people and all of the extended relationships. When Matt reunited with Janet, he went through the same emotional roller coaster ride that I did. And I'm at school teaching at night. He's calling my husband at home. And I got home from class one night, and my husband says, Finding the birth father sounded fine theoretically, but do we have to adopt him too? <laughs> oh, no. He needed a friend to talk yeah. to. So he and Pat are talking about the ups and downs and the, will she like me? They haven't called in two days. I wonder if I said something to a I mean, it's so emotionally um, disruptive to first have that reunion that you've got to get through that place. And it helps to have a friend do it. So my husband became my ex-boyfriend's assistant or coach through pieces <laughs> that of that. That is fantastic. It's a, I know it's Six amazing. degrees of separation indeed. <laughs> true, true. Then uh, under adjustment, S, we get to society um, and what society thinks about the situation. Then I took a look at time management and how you make time in your life to do this. I was a very busy person. I didn't have time to do all this stuff. But you have to give something else up to build relationships, and that does take a what lot of What did you time. give up? Um, time with uh, all of those leisure activities that I used to do, from reading and skiing and traveling and trips and scuba diving and all of those wonderful places in my life. I gave those up, and I involved my daughter in those lives. We took her on our scuba diving trips. We made trips around visiting her and finding... Uh, finding time to get together. So it took time and money and attention to build a relationship. It doesn't just happen because of a letter. No relationship does. They take attention. So you have to give them a priority location and give something else up, and I was happy to do it. You talked earlier, and I, I made a comment real quickly, and I want to pick up on it. You said you were a lawyer. Mm -hmm. You were cruising through your life. Uh, I'm going to make some assumptions that you really... You had it all together, for, you know, and then this happened to you. At the time it happened, I was vice president, sales manager for Tycor Title Insurance. I ran their commercial industrial subdivision department. Making good money. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it helped fund a lot of this. Yeah. The lesson you learned was, and if you could talk about, you're never really in charge. I mean, you're never in control, are you? You're not in control of other people's emotions and how they're going to react. You have to accept that the introduction of a new person into other people's lives is going to be a disruptive force, and it's going to cause others to have probably a fearful reaction at first until they get to know you. So being honest, being low-key, stepping back, 
trying not to dominate things or take control um, were lessons I got a chance yeah. to learn. What an amazing way. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. Mm -hmm. When's the last time you spoke to her? Well, last night. How often do you talk daily? Um, once or twice a day. Is there ever a discussion of... Let me explain part of the reason for that. We have lost her mother to cancer. Oh. Um, her mom passed away, let's see. When Janet found me, I think she had another five years of life left. And w may I tell you the time I first met her Surely, adoptive yes. parents? Please. Janet was a student at the University of Miami in communications. And when we met first... The apple the doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? <laughs> That's very good. When we met for the first time face-to-face... We met at Miami International Airport. She met me with a video crew and a reporter. And we're the wow. subject of a 30-minute di um, documentary that was aired uh, at, at the campus and then later. Fantastic. A little so, intimidating. A little, she, I could see the look on her face. In fact, the book cover is a photo of Janet and I, our first hug. And my husband took the picture... Just after we had our, our, our first physical contact from, from the date that I'd given birth to her. And when she looked, when she stepped back with the tears, it occurred to her that maybe she should have asked me <laughs> before she brought the reporter. And I said, Don't worry about it. Take a deep breath. Water under the bridge. <laughs> we got bigger issues to deal with. Yeah, there's a lot more to yeah. talk about. And we did all that too. But her mother and dad invited me to attend Janet's graduation at the University of Miami. So that summer, I flew to Miami and I met them and I sat in the auditorium as our daughter walked across the podium. And in cap and gown, I'm sandwiched between her mom on my left and uh, on my left and her dad on my right. And her mom put her shoulder, her arm around my shoulder, gave me a big hug and said, "Nan, I am so glad we met you." Because now we know it isn't what we did, it's who she is. There were a Whoa. lot of things yeah. that were explained after they met me. Mm -hmm. Truly. Truly a gift. Is there I, ever a discussion of, uh, between you and, and Janet of making up for lost time? Has that ever entered into it? No. You know, the past is over. Yeah. We made all of those decisions for lots of reasons. We covered them all. They're all in the book. Yeah. Um, society where it was, the rules where they were, what was socially acceptable. And we just took today, uh, and my husband's suggestion to the both of us was, happiness is now. Live in the present. Future will take care of itself, but live in the present. And that's what we've done. Yeah, just look forward. Mm. Create new, great memories. Move Look forward. forward to opportunity, not backward to blame. Well, this has been quite a gift uh, for us. Yes, yeah. very much so. Healing the whole and a heart. And we'll put a link to yes, uh, to the book up on Amazon. Uh, Amazon. I'm going to go buy it up on the website. And, and I do want to make a comment. You and I talked off the air a little bit that there are other situations that this book is helpful as well. So, so for example, if you have somebody in your life who is adopted. And, and has reconnected or maybe even hasn't reconnected yet, 
this is good for them as well. So not just for the, the mother or mm-hmm. the adopted parents, but also the child in any of those circumstances. It helps them identify issues, and they know they're not crazy. You know, some of those emotional things they're going through are, are not only predicted, but they can realize that they're, they can be mitigated with a little bit of attention. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it would be a very healing and helpful book for any, any member of the birth triangle. That you are not alone. You are not alone. But you're here. But you're here. Nan, Nan, this has been great. Thank you for sitting down with us. This is a real treat. We We truly appreciate it. Would you do us a favor and and talk with your talk with Janet? Happy to see if she's willing to spend some time with us, and we can. We'd love to do part two. We would love to follow up on this and see the other side. You got a deal. I know she'll say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your mother. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Well, I won't pull that card. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Nancy, by the way. She calls me Nancy. She calls you Nancy. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, we certainly look forward to talking with her as well. And this has been. Pure joy, and I can't wait to read the book. It really has. Yes. Thank you for sitting down with us for uh, another Tuesday noon. Uh, We're under the bridge. Thank you, Jamie, for sitting down again in the cave. Uh, Until next week, this has been Tuesday noon. We're We're out. out.